Alright, so the first thing we have to tackle here, I think, is the quarterback situation. Case Keenum has arrived. He is in Denver. He there's a vibe around it that just that just seems different. Um maybe that's just my optimism, I don't know. Um for those of you that don't know of Case Keenum or haven't heard of Case Keenum, he was kind of a, a non-factor in the NFL until last season with Minnesota. Um, he got one scholarship offer out of high school for the University of Houston. He took that. Um, pretty much dominated in college. He broke basically every record that a quarterback can break. He's the NCAA leader in passing touchdowns, passing yardage, um, completion percentage, all sorts of things. I think there's like four or five different categories that he's uh, the the record holder in. Still to this day, they have not been broken. Um, so that is that alone just says that he's got the talent. It's there. You know, he's competing at the level that he should be, at least at that point in his career. But somehow he goes overlooked, gets undrafted. Um, Gets signed by the St. Louis Rams, has a couple seasons there in Jeff in Jeff Fisher's offense that you know were mediocre. He started a couple games, played here and there, didn't do well, threw a lot of picks, just didn't work out. So then he goes to Houston, where he did play under Gary Kubiak for a year, and kind of the same thing. He you know started here and there, didn't do anything spectacular. It was just kind of a, a mediocre season for him. Um, and he goes back to St. Louis. He bounces back and forth between those two teams until he finally lands in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota had kind of a weird quarterback situation where they had three starting quarterbacks. They had Teddy Bridgewater, who is you know an NFL starting quarterback, I think. Um, Sam Bradford, who is also, I think, has the talent to be an NFL starting quarterback. And then they had Case Keenum, who was kind of you know probably seen as a backup throughout the league, kind of on the fence sort of thing. So Teddy Bridgewater goes down. Sam Bradford goes down. And that opens the door for Case Keenum. So um, I think like week three or week two, Sam Bradford goes down. Case Keenum comes in, um, plays really well. He really fit in that offense really well. That's a lot of people's excuse for why he played so well last season is because he was just in the perfect offense with you know Adam Thielen and, and Kyle Rudolph and uh, blanking on the, the most important one here. Wow, okay. Um so anyway, a lot of people say it was just the system that he's in. I disagree. I think, you know, the quarterback has a lot of the quarterback play has a lot to do with how the system works, you know. If you can't throw Tim Tebow in that same system and expect the res- expect the same result. And so you can't you can't say that makes him a lesser quarterback because he fit the system well, you know. He fit the system well because he played quarterback well. Um, he threw 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He rarely turned the ball over. That was the that's the main benefit of Case Keenum, I think, in Denver. Is we'll see a big swing in the the turnover, um, the turnover part. There'll, there'll be a lot less turnovers, I think. So anyway, he goes to Minnesota. He, he uh, leads them to the playoffs. Has a good regular season. Uh, the divisional round against the New Orleans Saints. That was a pretty good back and forth game. Uh, Minnesota's down. With as time is expiring, basically, um, Case Keenum throws up a miracle ball that Stephon Diggs, that's the receiver I couldn't think of before, Stephon Diggs comes down with and scores a touchdown. Um, they win the game. They go to the NFC uh, Championship game where they you know, get clobbered by the Eagles. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives there. He, he won a division. He won a playoff game. He went to the conference championship. He was one game away from the Super Bowl. Um, in the offseason, John always signs him to a two-year $36 million deal. Um, two years, kind of a, a kind of a trial period. You know, he didn't give him the five, six year 
contract. You just give him two years, kind of we'll see how you do sort of thing. Um, but he is the guy. That's the one thing that's different for both the Broncos the past few years and for Case Keenum his entire career is he's the guy. You know, he's never – he's had to compete for everything his entire life. He's been overlooked in every aspect. So it's got to be it's got to be nice for him knowing that he's the dude and he's the number one guy and he's the starter. But um, and that's what I like about Case Keenum is he's he's the underdog in every sense of the word, and I don't know why. You know, he's he's done everything he can to to prove to people that he can be a successful quarterback in the NFL, and yet everybody's overlooked him. So I think that fuels his fire, and I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to play really well for us because. You know, that, that's got to hit home a little bit. It's a little bit like Alex Smith. You know, Alex Smith is kind of in the same thing. You know, everybody always overlooked him. and Everybody, he was just, he was always just that mediocre quarterback. He was that safe, you know, check down guy who wouldn't turn the ball over. I hate to be talking about a former Chiefs quarterback on a Broncos podcast, but it's similar in the way they've been overlooked. And then Alex Smith let that fuel his fire and, and let that, you know, make him more competitive. And he came out last year and had a hell of a year. People were saying he couldn't throw the ball down the field. He threw the ball down the field more than anybody last year. So. So I think it's kind of similar with Case Keenum. People are doubting him, and I think that's going to make him play better and, and be a better quarterback. So And plus, I think Bill Musgrave will do the same thing that you know, uh, Mike Zimmer did in Minnesota. You know, He's going to tailor the offense to Case Keenum just as any team would. You know, It's silly to have a system that doesn't fit your quarterback. So, of course, they're going to do that. But like I said, the quarterback play matters. They also, you know, after uh, Mike McCoy was fired last year, Bill Musgrave did the same thing. He tailored the offense to Trevor Simeon, and it improved. It was better, but it wasn't nearly what it should be because the quarterback play wasn't still there. Just because he tailored the offense to him doesn't mean that the offense is going to just suddenly be great. you got to have the quarterback play. So I'm excited about Case. Uh, we'll dig in more you know, as the preseason progresses, as you get some snaps, as we see how he looks. So I'd imagine he starts the preseason game. I don't think they... You know, the Ravens didn't didn't play Joe Flacco at all, so I don't think the Broncos do that with Case Keenum. I think they want to see what he's got, and I think they put him out there for at least two or three possessions, if not more. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for more on that. Um, the next thing I want to discuss is our unique running back situation. Um, right now there is a running back competition going on between five running backs. That's right, I said five running backs. I don't know about you guys, but that is something that is unheard of to me. Maybe it's because I don't pay an, as much attention to other teams, so maybe it happens all the time and I just miss it. I don't know. Anywho, so the first one I'm going to talk about is D'Angelo Henderson, who's our sixth-round pick from 2017 from Coastal Carolina. Um, didn't see a lot of him last year. He played a little bit. He, he did score a touchdown, from what I can remember. I want to say it was a screen pass that he ran in for 40 40. 50 yards, something like that, but it could have been a rush, I, I could be wrong, um, so yeah, Bill Musgrave actually just shouted him out a couple days ago, and said that he looks really good, and that he's really happy with the, with the way he's been playing, they actually nicknamed him Hop, so I don't know what the fuck that means, if he's hopping around like a rabbit, or what's going on, but I'd imagine it's a good thing, and I'd imagine he's, he's doing well, um, I haven't heard any other players get shouted out by, by Musgrave yet, so that's gotta mean something, um, and the next I'm going to talk about is a guy you probably all know and are familiar with is Devontae Booker. He's been our number two back for the past few years um, behind C.J. Anderson. He really, to be honest, just hasn't impressed me all that much. I I don't know. He just doesn't seem like, like he has that number one back quality. He's only averaged 3.6 yards per carry in Denver so far. 
And I just don't really ever see those explosive plays from him. You know, I feel like the most explosive I've ever seen him be are, you know, eight to ten yard runs. You know, when we need we need at least a few twenty to thirty yard runs every couple games. You know, I mean, we we need some explosiveness. We need some big plays down the field. So that's what makes the that's what makes the defense move up and you know allows us to run some play action and throw the ball down the field. So he is probably the front runner, like just from the get go, just because he has more experience and and we know him a little bit better. But I don't think I don't think he's the starting running back by the end of the year. I'll go ahead and say that. I'll make that assumption. Um, I think by the end of the year, it's either D'Angelo Henderson or Royce Freeman, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see Booker as being the long-term solution at running back. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope he comes out and just beasts it up and you know runs for 1,500 yards. But in my humble opinion, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, um, but we do have a couple other guys we can be really excited about. And I wouldn't say don't be excited about Devonte Booker. You know, anything can happen. Um, so the next one we'll talk about, uh, is Royce Freeman, I guess. Um, he's our fourth round draft pick from this year, actually from Oregon who he averaged 5.9 carry 5.9 yards per carry in Oregon. Um, so he's, he was pretty impressive in college and, and I'm really excited to see him. Terrell Davis, uh, who says he still has a lot of connections within the Broncos, which I believe him. He's a, he's our hall of fame running back, right? Our Super Bowl, a Super Bowl winning running back. So uh, he says he still knows what's going on within the Broncos coaching staff, and he says that they are thrilled with what they see from Royce Freeman and uh, that they think he's probably going to be the starting running back. So that's coming from Terrell Davis. Who knows what he really knows? He's not, he doesn't work for the Broncos in any way officially. He's just our former you know, Hall of Fame running back that we love very much, obviously. But he's not, he doesn't have an official position with the Broncos. So that could just be him speculating. That could just be his opinion from, you know, the – the camps that he's been to and the, the stuff that he's seen. Um, but however, it, like in my opinion, he's probably the, the starter. He's probably the front runner as far as talent and potential goes. Um, him and D'Angelo Henderson, I'd imagine. Um, and then the fourth one is uh, Philip Lindsay. He's undrafted out of Colorado. Uh, he's actually impressing people too. We've, he's had some coaches shout him out. Um, apparently he played really well in OTAs and really turned some head in OTAs. There was no... Uh, no pads and OTAs, obviously, but, you know, that doesn't really matter, in my opinion. You know, you can still tell when someone, you know, would have gotten tackled or would have broken free for a touchdown. You, you can you can see, I think. Um, he may be in the punt returner competition. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie had a terrible year last year and fumbled all over the place. So, um, I think if Philip Lindsay can, you know, show ball security and show that he can just not fumble, then I think he'll immediately have a leg up on Isaiah McKenzie. Um, his speed and quickness has been really impressive, so I don't know. i got to say he's he's probably going to be the punt returner, in my opinion, because, I mean, I don't know. Isaiah McKenzie could uh, could really be working on his hands and could really be working on his ball uh, ball security, and if that's the case, you know, I think he, he has the talent to be a really good punt returner because he did show some flashes on the balls that he did catch last year. They were pretty, you know, solid returns, and he definitely showed some potential there, but there were just way too many drops and fumbles to, to you know, equalize it out there, to, to rationalize leaving him in there. So it all depends on Isaiah McKenzie. I think it's it's Isaiah McKenzie's battle to lose for sure. If Isaiah McKenzie comes out there and can't hold on to the freaking ball and can't 
can't just catch the ball, do the simplest thing that he's supposed to do, then it's it's going to be Philip Lindsay all the way, I think. So, and the, the last running back in the running back competition is David Williams, uh, the 2018 seventh round pick out of South Carolina and Arkansas. I guess he transferred. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him, to be honest with you. He had a pretty good college career, um, but my guess is he's been working mostly with the third team. So my guess is he'll he'll probably be on the practice squad this year. Um, and then I would guess it's probably uh, Royce Freeman, D'Angelo Henderson, and Philip Lindsay that are that are really in the in the core running back competition. I think Devontae Booker will probably start the season at the number one or the number two back. But I think by the end of the season, he's probably the number three back. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, our run game was decent last year. CJ passed 1,000 yards, but could always get better. We could always improve on that, obviously. Okay, um, the next thing that I want to go over here is the backup quarterback competition we got going on. So it hasn't really been that exciting, to be honest with you. Um, Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly are battling it out for that second quarterback spot. Um, I think Paxton Lynch is the favorite to win in Denver just because we're trying to get something out of our first round pick. I mean, I could go on about Paxton Lynch for hours. He is so, he's frustrated me to a point that I can't even put into words. He's a first round pick out of Memphis. He has the physical attributes of a quarterback god. If we were playing a Sims game for quarterbacks, he would be the one that you would build. He would be that that's what it would look like right there. But there, he just doesn't have what it takes. And I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't have it. Um, he His stats aren't that bad. Four touchdowns, four interceptions, 735 yards, I think, with a 76.1 quarterback rating. Not terrible for, for a young quarterback. But it's the way he looks. It's the way he handles himself on the field. He just does not belong. It looks like you took somebody that's a fantastic athlete and but has never seen a down of football in their life, and you just threw him on the field and said, throw the ball, kid. That's what it looks like. Because he just looks lost. Every decision that he makes, not just his throwing decisions, not just who he's throwing the ball to, but every decision that he makes on the field, You know, wh whether he runs it, where he goes, whether he throws it away, whether he tucks it and runs, whether he... You know, when he throws it, whether he takes the sack, I mean, just everything that he's doing is just awkward and wrong and just not not correct. <laughs> That's the only. I know I'm just saying different definitions of wrong, but still. So, I believe he's got a little. I believe he's got potential. I guess I just don't know how he's gonna live up to it. I don't know what he needs to do, but. It's clear that the coaching staff is favoriting him. He's taking all of the seventeen of the second team reps. Um, Chad Kelly hasn't taken hasn't taken a single second team rec. Oh gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> anyway, Paxton Lynch is working with the second team. Chad Kelly is working with the third team. So it's looking like the Broncos at least want Paxton Lynch to be the second the second string QB. Um, I think we'll. We'll see what happens in the preseason games. I think if Paxton Lynch goes out there and embarrasses himself in the preseason game and looks the way that he has in the past, then I think Chad Kelly will surpass him and he'll start getting some of those second-team reps in, uh, in training camp. But who's to say? From all accounts that I've heard and from everything that I've seen, it's still the same old Paxton and not a whole lot has improved. Still a lot of 
you know, bad judgments and, you know, poor throws, overthrows, inaccuracy, just so. But I could be wrong. Maybe he comes out in the preseason and just absolutely kills it and gets the second string. And maybe at one point in his career he gets another shot at a starting at a starting role. Who's to say? Not me, that's for sure. So, um, that being said, that'll heat up. That's kind of like the running back competition. That'll heat up more once the preseason happens and once we once we see more reps and see more things happen, that'll there'll be some more developments there. Um, uh, next, I want to kind of just talk about some offensive improvements we've made, um, just kind of vague general ones. Um, Jared Veld here from the Arizona Cardinals, the right tackle from the Arizona Cardinals. We got him you know, in the offseason, and that is exciting, but at the same time, you don't want to get your hopes up too high because for some reason, we just cannot get that right side figured out. I don't know what it is. Over the past few years, we've had all these solutions and all these things we've tried, and it just has not worked out. So the right side is our weakness. Hopefully this guy's the answer. Um, he's looked pretty good in camp so far, but you won't know till the actual season starts. We really need help on that right side. I mean, I this might be a bold statement to make, but the offensive line has been the biggest disappointment in the past few years over anything else. The quarterback situation is up there, and the quarterback situation is definitely way more talked about and way more publicized. But the offensive line has been atrocious for three years in a row. It's my biggest my biggest complaint to the Broncos is that the offensive line has been off way more than the quarterback play. So, yeah, the quarterback play has been really bad, but the offensive line play has been an embarrassment, especially on that right side. It's got to get better. I don't care who you put back there. I don't care if it's Case Keenum. I don't care if it's Tom Brady. If you put him back there and you can't protect him, it's not going to be a good result. So we need help. So Jared Veld here, if you're listening to this, please step up and just be that help. I'm so sick of being disappointed by these new offensive line additions that we get that are supposedly supposed to make our offensive line better, and they do nothing but hurt us. So please, Jared, help us out, man. We need you. Um, Garrett Bowles, another offensive lineman, uh, another tackle, right tackle, left tackle. I don't know what the fuck he's going to play, but... um, his sophomore season's coming up, so that's exciting. I mean, he had a pretty good year last year. He had a few more penalties than I would have liked to see for sure. But I didn't see I didn't really see any games where he got dominated for the entire game. You know, there was definitely a few plays here and there where he got beat and you know, it didn't end well, but for the most part for a rookie, I think he played pretty well. And you can't judge too much on a rookie season just because of all the shit that rookies deal with. Not just you know the game wise but just in life like that rookie year thing they've moved they've moved cities they've had to get a new place they've had to learn a playbook they've had to get to know new people new friends new co-workers they've had to who knows what they've had they probably got their first car they probably i mean who knows what they're going through in their personal life so it's a real change to go from being just a college kid that makes no money that worries about nothing but school and football to going to be an adult for a professional football team that's making hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year, it's a big change. So, I believe that you can you can judge a you can judge a player's potential by their rookie year, but you can't judge their their talent, you know, in their rookie year. You can't see somebody's rookie year. You know, maybe they have a bad rookie year. You can't say okay they'll never be good, but you can say okay they'll never be great. You know, 
we can see by that year that they didn't they don't have the superstar quality but they can still be a good productive football player so I believe the second season will show a lot about Garrett Bowles and a lot about um, you know what the what player he can become in the future so I'm, I'm excited about him um, and then the rookie receivers um, I'll talk about them a little bit more in the rookie update but Cortland Sutton has been incredibly impressive. He comes up with a new acrobatic catch every single day. He's high-pointing footballs and coming down with them in the end zone. He looks incredible. Um, I'm so excited about this kid. I I think he's gonna he's gonna be a third he's gonna be our slot receiver, third string receiver, and he's gonna dominate. I really believe that. So I'm very excited about this kid. Um, it, I believe it's a huge addition to the uh, offense. He's essentially another Demarius Thomas, but in my opinion, with better jumping and better high point skills than even than DT. And DT's pretty damn good at that. So, I, man, I'm probably going to get a, a jersey here in the next couple weeks, and I got to say, it's it's probably going to be a Cortland Sutton jersey. I'm very excited about this kid. I really, really am. So, I really hope it works out. I really do. Um, I really hope he stays healthy. You know, it seems, I hate to jinx him like that, but... It seems that every time I get attached to a player like this, or every time that I think a player is going to be great, they fucking get injured before they can even play. So, um, Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State, also a rookie receiver we got. He's been impressive as well. Um, apparently, he's really mastered the mental aspect of the game. He's been in the film room constantly. He's been you know, catching footballs with Cortland Sutton after practice. I guess uh, most practices, they stay after, and they, they catch anywhere between 100 and 500 footballs. Um, so that's good to see that dedication from him, you know. He hasn't had quite the highlight training camp that Cortland Sutton has had, but it's nice to see a rookie with that maturity to know that he's got to master master the mental aspect of the game and, you know, just, you know, hone his craft and not not be arrogant and cocky and think that, you know, I'm in the NFL, I can do anything that, you know, you got to get away from that sort of attitude, so... Um, alright, so the last thing we're going to do is the rookie update. It's kind of just what we do to... This is what we're going to be doing to end every show. Um... So we kind of just went through the receivers. Cortland Sutton obviously has been impressing a lot. Um, Deshaun Hamilton obviously living up to expectations, having a good camp. Um, the one person that I haven't talked about to this point, weirdly, maybe the most hyped up person in training camp, uh, Bradley Chubb, our first round draft pick. Uh, he's been doing his thing. Um, people are really excited about what he's going to do. He's been working a lot with the second team. Um, He's been doing well. There was a play today that he he pretty much sacked Paxton Lynch. You know, of course they can't hear or they can't hit the the quarterback, but he it would have been a sack if it was a real game for sure. Um, there was that picture that the Broncos Instagram page shared of him where he was carrying uh, Shaquille Barrett and Shane Ray's pads as well as his own pads on his shoulders. That was pretty cool. Um, it's nice. It's pretty cool to see that somebody that. You know, that guy was drafted fifth overall. He's making millions of dollars. And most rookies make, you know, maybe a million dollars a year their first year. This guy's making, I think, I don't, I don't even know what the contract is. I think it was a few million or I'm not even sure. But either way, this guy's like a big deal. Like, he's supposed to be the next Von Miller, and yet he's still doing his rookie duties. He's still, you know, he's still earning his keep, and I like that a lot. I think that shows a lot about his moral character and his 
you know, I, I feel like he, he could be an asshole and just be like, I'm not doing that. What are you talking about? I'm not carrying your pads. You're 28 years old and you're a professional football player and you're in great shape. Why do you need me to carry your pads? He could have been like that. He could have been an asshole. But no, it's a respect thing. You respect your vets. You know that they have information and, and things that they can share with you and make you a better player. And so it's really cool. And, you know, it's just the grooming. It's how you become a vet. That, you know, that's what makes vets vets. And that's what makes rookies rookies is you got to do the work. You got to go through the shit to become the vet. You don't just, you can't just say, yeah, I played six years in the NFL and be a vet. You got to have, you got to have taken the hazing and the fucking nonsense and the all sorts of shit. It's, it's pretty cool actually. I think, you know, it's, it's almost like, you're, it's almost like they're building men. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then, uh, you know, we talked about Royce Freeman pretty much in the, in the running back battle. So, We've got a lot to be excited about, guys. I know, uh, I know, coming off a couple of seasons that weren't so great, it, it's disappointing. But we should be excited. It's going to be a great year. Um, we're going to be doing these podcasts every Sunday at uh, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. We'll be releasing one of these podcasts. We'll be having game predictions, we'll have interviews with the players, all sorts of stuff. You can listen in, you know, while you wait for the games to start Sunday morning. Because I know that it always sucks when you wake up and you know the games don't start till noon. So. Um. Yeah, give us a listen in. Follow us on Instagram, Mile High, three sixty five. Um. And yeah, next week we'll have we'll have somebody on here for you. We'll have we'll have some guests. So send in your questions. You can either uh, direct message them to uh, Mile High three sixty five, or you can email us at Mile High three sixty five podcast at gmail dot com. So uh, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week for for the episode two. See you guys later. Be safe out there. Go Broncos. How we doing, Broncos country? It's your boy Gage Cole back again. Uh, we had to throw in a late addition to the episode um, with this Marquette King situation going on this weekend. Um, we originally were just going to wait and see how it played out and, and put it in next week's episode, but shit has kind of hit the fan so we had to we had to throw it in on this one um so i guess on friday marquette king was supposed to do an interview with with some uh, local local radio guys and he, i guess he was uncooperative in that interview um it only lasted 90 seconds before they they called it quits and you know told him never mind to get off the set and then, um, I guess on Saturday, um, there's a reporter near Denver, uh, Damon McKee, who I guess has been critical of, of Marquette King. And on Saturday, Marquette King tweeted Darren McKee to suck his dick on Twitter, which I think is pretty funny, even though it's probably not what we need right now. Like, let's focus on football, man. We're pretty close to the season. We don't need shit talking, but I think that's hilarious, but that's just me and my opinion. I'm sure Darren McKee doesn't agree. Um... And then today, on Sunday, was when things really got out of hand. Um, I guess after the Broncos scrimmage, or at some point during the Broncos scrimmage, um, Marquette King had, had seen Darren McKee over, over by the media portion of the training camp, and um, went over there and told him to keep his fucking name out of his mouth, was the quote that Darren McKee gave. Um, and then I guess Darren McKee replied by saying, or what, which is a terrible thing to say to an angry NFL football player that can clearly kill you. <laughs> if that's me, I'm pissing in my pants and saying, yes, sir, please don't 
hurt me. <laughs> Especially Darren McKee's not like a young, like fit guy. He's an old dude. So I don't know why he was being so confrontational. But anyway, so Darren McKee replies by saying, or what? Um, to which Marquette King, I guess, leaned in and said something really scary, really in a really intimidating manner. I don't know. I, we didn't get any more. We didn't get any more details about what was said after that, but um, that was when everybody had to rush in and, and restrain uh, Marquette King and then keep him from from who knows what, doing something not too, not too good. Um, so Marquette King is obviously a, a little bit of a wild card. He's got to be the most energetic and outgoing punter in the NFL. He's very entertaining to watch. You know, he, most people, you know, tune out when the punter's on the field, but he's somebody that you really like to watch, and he screwed us over so many times when he was with Oakland. He That last year where he pinned us inside the five and then did his stupid fucking Bronco dance, I hated that shit. But it's nice that he's on our team now. So, um, I mean, in my personal opinion, he can he can get away with a lot because he is a talented dude. I mean, this guy has had, a, his longest punt is 72 yards. That's fucking insane. So he's two-time AFC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, he's really, really good at pinning, pinning punts inside the 20, even inside the 10. Um, 156 punts of his 426 attempts have went inside the 20-yard line. So, And not only does he have a boot, but now he's going to be in Denver. So he's that I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks that 72-yard punt record. I mean, I don't think that's too out there. Um. And then I think the the weirdest thing or the funniest thing out of after this is about an hour ago after the whole altercation at the camp went down and everything, um, Marquette King tweeted a picture of Superman with the hashtag. It was a picture of Superman. It said hashtag mood. So <laughs> apparently he feels like Superman still. I I don't I don't know. This guy's very entertaining, but he's also got to watch his boundaries. I mean, he's good, but he is a punter. He's not a necessity. I mean, there are other punters in the league that we could get if he starts to become too much of a problem. I mean, he's got to understand that he's not Case Keenum. I mean, even Case Keenum has a leash to some extent. You know, you can't you can't be assaulting reporters and and talking shit on Twitter when it's you're in training camp, man. You need to focus on the season. You need to focus on fucking pinning people inside the five, the three. So I think it definitely probably caught the attention of somebody up high, whether it's the coaches or or one of the uh, PR people or whoever it might have been. It caught the attention of somebody up high in, in the Denver staff. So he's probably going to get a talking to, I'd imagine, and I hope it goes well. I just see I, – I hope he's not going to be the kind of guy that – you know, gets in trouble, and then when, you know, the organization tries to talk to him about it or discipline about it, then he, you know, goes to the fuck you mode and, you know, doesn't want to play for us anymore. I just don't want it to be like that. I hope he accepts his punishment, says I'm sorry, and can move on and, and play play some football and, and focus on football. So, anyway, I just had to hop in and let you guys know what was going on. Um, didn't think he could wait a week, honestly. I just, every tweet that I read about it, every article that I read about it just got me more excited to tell everybody about it so i thought i'd just hop on and add a quick you know five six minute segment to the episode and and yeah so uh i will see you guys next sunday we'll we'll recap the preseason game we'll talk about how everybody did the rookies 
Um, we're still trying to get um, some people on the podcast for an interview. We're having some trouble with scheduling, so it, it might not be next week, but hopefully a couple episodes from now at least we'll, we'll get one of the players on here, one of the coaching staff. Um, so, yeah, until then, I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys later, and we'll keep you guys posted on our Instagram and on our Twitter. Follow us on both. Uh, it's milehigh365 on both. Um, we also, our podcast will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and pretty much everywhere that you can get a podcast uh, within the next few days. So, um, until next time, guys, have a good week, and uh, go Broncos! Welcome, Broncos country, to the first ever Mile High 365 podcast. My name is Gage Cole, and I'll be your host for today and the rest of the season. Hopefully, it is a long one that takes us deep into the playoffs. we got a lot of things to be excited about here in Denver. we got Case Keenum in the house, a lot of offensive improvements, a couple rookie wide receivers to be really excited about. So uh, stay tuned. We'll talk about all that. We'll dive into it. And uh, welcome to the first ever episode of Mile High 365.